Hello and welcome to the Africa Legal Podcast Series. My name is Carol Campbell and joining me today from Nigeria is Atiku Jafar. Atiku is a former national president of the Law Students Association of Nigeria and is now working with Africa Legal to found the African Law Students Association and to bring together law students from across the continent. Welcome, Atiku. It's lovely to have you on our podcast series. Carol, thank you very much indeed for having me. Can you tell us a little about yourself? What motivated you to study law? Carol, that's a really insightful question. I know that different law students have different stories about how they landed a law degree in the first place. For me, interestingly, I was a science student who went all the way studying art courses and preparing myself to pass the qualifying examinations that would qualify me for a law degree. I made the decision consciously and on my own. And that was born out of my passion and desire to use the law as a tool for social engineering. I knew what I wanted and I went for it. And what was meant to be a simple attempt turned out to be the most remarkable game changer in the course of my professional life. All I needed then was the support of my parents and that came through positively. My mother would tell me stories about her brief stint at legal education my dad will literally buy every book that relates to arts and humanities that he laid his hands on. And he let me in on his collection of books on social sciences. And I got to study a lot about public policy and administration. And that that helps me a great deal in choosing the law as a career. My story tells you that choosing a career path It's a personal decision that one has to make for himself. For me, I knew what I wanted and I went for it. And that was a decision that I never had a cause to regret. So the point is whether you are one with a really fascinating story about how you landed a law degree or you just happen to find yourself by chance studying the law, you have to find out and identify what motivates you personally about a career in law and you have to channel that motivation to dedication and hard work. Today I'm consolidating on the decision I made about seven years ago and I have no regret whatsoever. We last spoke in February 2019 while you sat as president of LawSan. What professional developments have you enjoyed since then? Yes, we spoke last year, February 2019. And interestingly, that was a time when I was marking my first anniversary in office as president of the Law Student Association of Nigeria. Now, I must say that, unfortunately, my hands were pretty full with law sign, so I had little or no time at all to my personal professional development. But I left office shortly afterwards, and a lot has happened since then. I graduated from the university. I proceeded to the Nigerian Law School, where I'm currently having my vocational training to qualify me for practice as a legal practitioner. A lot has happened since then. I took every chance at capacity building and professional development. Of course, I leveraged on the resources provided by IT to intern virtually and defy the pandemic uh, and take internships, trainings and capacity building programs um, mostly in Asia, the UK, Lagos, and other parts of Nigeria. And what 
personally I'm what what makes me personally proud is that my professional development story is not one-sided it's the two sides of a coin as much as I enjoyed professional development I'm I'm proud to be a privy to impacting law students positively when it comes to building their capacity and developing their skills I I I talked a lot with law students I discussed with colleagues friends and associates who wants to improve their, themselves professionally I I facilitated webinars mentorship 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 sessions and other programs geared towards giving back to law students on leadership and professional development so that makes me extremely proud do you think the voices and concerns of young Nigerian lawyers are currently being heard on an organizational and national level? And I'm talking here about the NBA, for example. Carol, that is a question that many people are really passionate about. Now, I'm not a lawyer yet, but as one who has been involved with the apex leadership of the Nigerian Bar Association during my tenure as president of Lausanne, I consider myself as having a fair understanding of the internal workings of the NBA and I know enough to say that the bar is under serious scrutiny and this is a really defining moment for the Nigerian Bar Association. Now the legal profession is an asymmetrical profession and this asymmetry places the bar as one having two sides of many coins. We can see this division play along the along the lines of uh, uh, senior lawyers and junior lawyers, young lawyers, I mean, um, the bar and the bench, traditional litigators and corporate and transactional practitioners, and other divisions of the NBA. Now, this asymmetry tends to play a really counterproductive role in setting parts of the bar against each other. In this case, we're talking about the division along the lines of seniority at the bar. Now, the legal profession is a services profession, and this means that lawyers need to coexist with one another, network, share ideas, and fraternize in the spirit of the bar, because a house divided against itself cannot stand. It is in the light of the above that the NBA needs a resounding leadership in these coming elections that will consolidate on the successes of the past ad administrations of the Nigerian Bar Association. And I consider mission number one of whoever becomes president of the NBA to unite the bar and set common grounds for young lawyers and senior members of the profession to cohabit fairly and equitably and this should start on the basis of the bitter truth that those young lawyers we are talking about are the ones that do the bulk of work in law firms and are grossly underpaid now the second truth is that those young lawyers who are grossly overworked and essentially underpaid are not at the heart of major reforms of the NBA, at least as we have seen with the past leaderships of the bar. And it seems to me that the questions on remuneration, better working conditions and welfare of young lawyers only comes off at the eve of NBA elections and vanishes immediately afterwards. Something has to be done 
the ban it to really cater for its most vulnerable population, that is the young lawyers. The NBA needs a leadership that will decisively address issues of better working conditions of young lawyers, exploitation of the young links by seniors, and the overall professional, social, and economic revival of young lawyers in the profession. Seniority and mentorship, I admit, are key, but the senior lawyers need to understand that close to the ethical conduct of seniority at the bar, and in fact much more important than that, is the rule that lawyers must treat one another with respect, with the utmost respect, dignity, and professional courtesy. Oh, that is so interesting. Thank you. What is your view on the issues facing law students in Nigeria? This is a very interesting question to me because I've campaigned thoroughly for the reform in the way the law is being taught in our faculties here in Nigeria. And I want to take it to another level by driving the agenda for reform in law schools and law faculties across Africa. Legal education today in Nigeria and in most jurisdictions in Africa is not fit for purpose. And that is why we are campaigning that the entire curriculum needs to be overhauled. It breaks my heart to see judges and lawyers publicly accused and tried of corruption, the general poor perception of the judiciary, and the dwindling public confidence in the legal profession falling apart, the fall in standard of legal practice. And all of these are direct results of a decline in the quality of legal education. And that is uh, all the more important for law teachers, for regulators, for stakeholders to see a cogent reason to reform legal education today without further delay. As the profession changes, constantly evolves, we know that the profession is a dynamic profession. It constantly changes to accommodate advancements and openings in all aspects of human life. Professional legal preparation must equally evolve with it at the same pace. The curriculum is dated to start with and fundamentally uh, conservative to change. The regulatory bodies, stakeholders, should face pressure from law teachers, law students, lawyers, judges, and even clients who are consumers of legal services, by the way, to rethink legal education and put measures in place to equip law students with what it takes to acquire practice-ready knowledge so that by the time they graduate from law faculties, they proceed to law schools, they become well acquainted with what obtains in the world of legal practice. The arrangement we have today is a system of legal education where law students are taught basically what does not obtain in law schools and that explains the high rate of failure in, in law schools, at least Nigerian law school. And by the time lawyers graduate from law school, industry practitioners have to train them all over again as if they have not had any encounter with legal education. And it seems to me, Carol, that the psychology of law faculties in Africa does not bother on grooming practice-ready practitioners, professionals. The psychology of law schools and law faculties pays more attention to teaching law students how to graduate from law faculties and how to graduate from law schools. We have to bridge the gap between the academia and the industry, and now is the time to do that. 
Part of bridging the gap is to ensure that law teachers have access to continuing legal education and they have access to capacity building opportunities that will expose them to what obtains in the world of legal practice. Uh, because having law students who who have not um, who do not have the the requisite information uh, about the workings of the industry because the law is a services industry is a services profession essentially so having students who have who have lost touch with legal practice at the time they are students it's just like having medical students who have not had access to any patient and having law teachers who who have lost touch or contact with um, the world of legal practice is as good as having medical professors who have not performed a single successful surgery in their career. We also need to look at the legal profession in terms of its regulation, at least here in Nigeria. We are having multiple institutions, multiple organizations performing different functions in terms of regulatory and legal education. Uh, when you look at the institutional framework, you'll see that we have the Council of Legal Education uh, playing a role and we have law faculties partly under the Nigerian Universities Commission. I, I think that that has to be harmonized so that we streamline regulation to ensure that there is a single institution that regulates legal education at all fronts and at several levels. That will go a long way in uh, putting an end to the several inconsistencies that we have, the clashes that we have, and that will perhaps read legal education of um, bureaucracies of the university and other bottlenecks. Um, I, I think that that's, these are the things that we need to do. We have to push for that radical agenda of reform, and we have to do it now because the profession is constantly changing and professional legal preparation must equally change. Although the legal profession, we know that it is historical to change, but law schools are now facing a huge and enormous pressure from educators, students, judges, and even clients who consume legal services to really rethink legal education. Gosh, yes, that's true. Why is it important that we work to unite and amplify the voices of African law students on both a country and continental footing right now? The importance of amplifying the voices of law students in both national and continental footings cannot be overemphasized, and I'll tell you why. Law students often feel like passive learners or passive actors in the process of law teaching as opposed to partners in their own educational experience. And since you cannot shave a man's head in his absence, law students need to be part of policy derivation and policy implementation process in the entire infrastructure of legal education. Um, I think that law students are in a better position to evaluate law teachers and to evaluate the curriculum most of all uh, in terms of what works for them and what does not. Student voices happens when we allow students to share their opinions, to share their thoughts and to act as change makers based on their feedback. And this is a very, very important step. It is not just enough to listen to the concerns of law students. Educators have an ethical imperative and an academic imperative 
to do something to act with regards to those meaningful students who get involved in vital aspects of um, improving education and improving learning it brings about better learning outcomes and i think that the time to do it is now we did it with lausanne we revived lausanne in 2016 um yes, it was yes. a huge task because nigeria is a huge country of um about 200 million people 36 states with about 50 low faculties over 45 of them so a, a couple of us um actually made the decision in the maiden convention to bring back the law student association of nigeria in order to establish a body that will amplify the voices of nigerian students and i'll tell you that in about two three years of its existence today lausanne has gone places lausanne is an incredible stakeholder in not just um the space of legal education but in the sphere of civil societies and national development so that that is significantly important what do you think can be achieved through a federation of law students and young lawyers across africa in the form of the africa law students association a lot can be achieved through a federation of young lawyers and law students under the auspices of the African Law Student Association. I just mentioned the importance of amplifying the voices of law students, uh, taking a cue from other jurisdictions that have advanced, so to say. The American Bar Association has a package for student membership where students get to be members of the bar, part of the bar, to participate in bar activities. And that will have gone a long way in improving them tremendously in terms of their professional life. So having a platform like ALSA is going to drive some of these reforms. In addition, we are going to have an organization, the much needed organization that will unite law students and coordinate their affairs, provide a platform for them to interact, to achieve academic excellence, to realize their potentials, to uh, d develop their their skills and even acquire existing uh, additional skills, create an avenue for them to learn, to network with fellow students and experienced practitioners from different jurisdictions across Africa and even around Africa and other parts of the world, and to equip them for a professional life in an international environment through mutual understanding, intercultural cooperation, exchange of ideas, and under the spirit of African solidarity and Pan-Africanism. That is what we seek to achieve, and that is just what we will achieve. What will it mean for Nigerian law students personally to be a member of ALSA or ALSA? What it's going to mean personally for Nigerian law students is that they are going to be part of a network of elite law students dedicated to the growth and development of the African continent. And they're going to be part of driving those important reforms. Uh, ALSA seeks to equip law students with professional skills and international best practices and improve on legal scholarship and the exchange of scholarly experience uh, between law students. And to stimulate that understanding, we need to have national federations that are really passionate and committed to the ALSA dream and it will mean a lot for Nigerians to be part of that dream which is very very incredible. To provide limitless opportunities for law students is all we seek to do 
and it will mean a lot for Nigerians to be beneficiaries of those opportunities. What is your personal vision with regards to becoming a lawyer? Why are you doing this? My personal vision studying law and what being a lawyer would mean to me personally is that I envision a world where young people make an impact and I want to be just one of those young people who wants to leave the world a better place as they met it. I drive inspiration from the European Law Student Association. It has a really fine and incredible history. 39 years ago, five students from Austria, Hungary, Poland and West Germany came together to establish the European Law Student Association. They wanted to leave a legacy for future generations of law students coming after them. And today, 39 years afterwards, ELSA is a robust organization of 50,000 members from 44 countries. Africa has a population of 1.2 billion people as against Europe that has roughly about 700 million. So I think that Africa is ready for those agendas and I want to impact Africa at every given opportunity and I want to impact the world at every given opportunity. Uh, the opportunity to connect legal education to development is something that meets my core desire to make sure that I'm involved in things that have an impact on society in a very profound way. Thank you, Atiku. Thank you, Carol. Always a pleasure to speak to you. This is a project to watch and certainly will empower lawyers across Africa by opening dialogue. You've been listening to Atiku Jafar, co-founder of the African Law Students Association, in conversation with me, Carol Campbell, for the Africa Legal podcast series. To find out more about Africa Legal, visit our website. Until next time, goodbye and thank you for listening.